Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. I can see the light of a brand new day. 
We say we are without sin, we are only deceiving ourselves. Join me now in the prayer of confession. Let us pray. God of compassion, you created the world through your communion of love. But we often prefer to be lonely gods living for ourselves. Our sin has misshapen the life you intended for us. We damage creation. We hurt one another. We ignore the aches and cries of others. We beg you, God, free us from sin's grip with your prevailing love, that we might be your witnesses, testifying to your eternal love in all that we do. God of justice and mercy, forgive us. Hear us now as we pray silently. Glory be to the Father, glory be to the Son, glory be to the Spirit, three in one, as it was in the beginning, and with Even while Jesus was on the cross beside two convicted thieves, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. But friends, the good news is Jesus wasn't just talking about those criminals or those who hung him up to die. He was talking about us. On that day, Jesus chose forgiveness. We have been forgiven, called to forgive. We are loved called to love. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen.
We celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper later on in this worship experience together. So I invite you to find some bread of some sort and some juice to celebrate Christ's presence with us. And now for Holy Interruption. Church. It's the Blakes here, Sean, Courtney, Sadie, and Liam. Happy 2021! Since we haven't had a chance to see any of you this year, we thought we'd share our New Year's resolutions with you. Liam is turning six this month, and his resolution was to try to eat brave new foods. And so far, that's going terrible. And our daughter, Sadie, she's nine, and her resolution is to be kinder to her brother. However, that's not going so well either. My resolution was to unsubscribe from all of my online news sources and to try to only focus on things that I can control in 2021. And despite this strange year start, that's actually going pretty well. My resolution is to have more patience. However, if Brennan Elementary continues to do virtual school, we're going to have a problem. Save some prayers for us. Seriously, guys, we miss you. We're really looking forward to 2021 being a chance for us to get back together and really have uh, a chance to grow our church community again. So can't wait to see you soon. If you're enjoying this podcast, we invite you to pass it along to a friend who you think might enjoy it too. Today on the back lawn, we are ordaining and installing four new elders, Mario Melendez, Donna Waits, Gloria Richardson James, and David Sloan. And each year when we elect and then ordain new leadership in our church, it is just one of the ways we live into the new possibilities as a living organism that is our church, continually growing and shifting and changing. We're excited that they are leading us into the future. Our scripture reading comes from a letter to the early church in Rome, Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. And I'm reading today from the Common English Bible. Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, don't think too of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable, since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. We have many parts in the body, but the parts don't all have the same function. And in the same way, though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ and individually we belong to one another. We have different gifts. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. So if your gift is prophecy, go and prophesy in proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do it with no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy should be cheerful. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is Not My Gift. Not My Gift. I have a friend who is really, really good at gift giving. Like, it is her superhuman power. I've watched her do it. She pays attention all year round to those around her. Every detail, like what kind of food you eat, where you spend your time, what lights you up to talk about. And then then when it is time to get a gift for someone, she is all in on brainstorming ideas, researching on the web, shopping, comparing options, clicking buy. And then when the gift comes, she wraps it all fancy-like, you know, and she finds just the right card that says the right thing. And then the moment, oh, the moment when she gives someone their gift, y'all, it is like magic to watch. Except instead of watching the person receive the gift, I always watch her. I watch her face because her face lights up. Her nose crinkles. She scoots forward on the the edge of her seat, watching with so much happiness as her unique zone of genius comes out to play and makes this person who is receiving the gift feel known and loved. I'm enamored, as you can tell, with this skill of gift giving because let's just say it is not my gift. It is not my thing. In fact, I usually dread that part of parties, you know, the hour of time where we sit around and watch someone open the gifts that we got them. I am always the one in the back thinking to myself, ooh, what if they don't like what I got them? Or what if I got the wrong color? Or what if they feel like they can't return it? I want them to return it and get what they want. To tell you the extent to which I am not a good gift giver, my husband, Tim, and I came up with this agreement, understood just at some point that for his birthday and Christmas and, you know, other occasions for gifts, he sends me an email, y'all, with links (laughs) that, links that tell me the specifics, the specs of whatever technology he wants or the color or size or fit. And I just click and buy. And though I'll admit it takes out all of the joy for him of ever being surprised by me, we found that it works for us because at least he has a chance of getting something that he wants. Plus, we acknowledge that there are others in his life who have this gift to surprise him with something he will love. But it is not my gift. Let me just take a second to say, for those of you out there, like my friend, who are really good gift givers, who love doing it and, you know, are so good at it, I just want to say thank you. We are better off because of you. I am in awe of you. And to those of you like me who are not great at gift giving, I want to address the shame that we feel. For as long as we've been around social creatures, there has been this expectation that we get gifts for those that we love. And it can be a painful experience to jump through this social ritual of gift giving, knowing that you are not going to live up to others' expectations of you. And there's good news. There's good news news in the scripture for both the gift givers and the not gift givers. There's grace, grace for both. In this letter to the early church in Rome, the author is making it known that we have different gifts 
Some of us are great gift givers. Some are not. Some are great teachers. Some are not. Some are great builders. Some are not. Some are great comedians. Some are not. And what I appreciate is that this author doesn't mess around. Like right out the gate, we are humbled. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. And I get it. These words sound critical at first, but actually there is a ton of grace coming out of these words. It is saying that it's okay for those of us who are not good gift givers. It is okay to say, hey, that's not my gift. We can claim that it is not our gift because of the grace of God. And because of the grace of God, there is someone else out there with that particular gift. We don't need to have it. In fact, it's good that we don't have that gift because it makes some space for someone else to share the gift with you. Now, this doesn't mean that we who are not good at gift givers never have to buy a gift again. No, I want to be very clear. It just means that we might need to take a minute and ask for help. We need to take those five minutes perhaps to think about, okay, who in my life is really good at gift giving and call them up and have them walk you through picking a meaningful gift. I need to hear this verse. I need to hear this verse more often. In fact, I think most people do. I I might need to write it down and put it in my car and on my mirror at home and on my desk because so often we are expected to be good at everything. I should clarify, everything that our culture values, like being organized and accomplishing tasks and making money and manicuring lawns and caring for kids and paying the bills on time, you know, the list. In fact, I think this verse could be taught to first graders, students, as you're beginning your education. For someone to say, hey, I know that we are going to teach you all the things and then we're going to test you on all the things and we're going to reward you at what you're good at. But, you know, it is okay to not be good at everything. In fact, not only is it okay to not be good at everything, it is the way it is meant to be. That said, at school these days, I, I did not hear that growing up. The expectation was all A's across the board in English, math, physics, history, and art class, and music too, and on the soccer field, and on the theater stage. And I know, I know that the intention was for us to try our hardest, you know, to to try things, to see if we like them, and to put our best foot forward and have a good work ethic, or to be grateful for the gift of education and coaches and cleats. But what I heard then and, and internalized was different. What I heard was that I must master everything I attempt. And not only did it make me feel like a fake most of the time, but then it made it really hard later on to discern what I actually enjoyed. What brought me alive? What, out of all the things that I was expected to master, did I want to spend my life contributing to the world? The gift of being in a community, downtown church, is that there is grace from God to let go of what we're not good at. 
I'm not great at adding numbers in my head or putting out chairs. I'm willing to do it if needed. I will stand ready with my calculator. But honestly, there are others in our community who are stronger and more keen on number adding than I am. And if I'm willing to hold myself back when I see an immediate need, if I can hold myself back in the places where it's not my strength, it might just make room for someone to step up who has those gifts to share. We had an elder retreat this past weekend, and during this retreat, we asked each of the elders to take an assessment called the Strengths Finder. And we do this every now and again to get to know ourselves better and definitely at this point to get to know the new team. And at the end of the assessment, you are given your top five strengths. Mine are activator, which means I jump right into things, getting them started. Discipline, futuristic, meaning I spend a lot of time thinking about the future, and woo, and positivity. Those are my five. And they might just seem like mere words, but when I read the descriptions, they don't just seem like gifts. They are the way that I am. They are the things I don't have to try at being. I just am. There are 34 strengths total, and the goal is not to have them all. The goal is to know our top five, know our individual strengths so that we can say yes to them. We can say yes to the things in leadership and in life that benefit from our particular strengths. And we can say no to everything else. For the team, our goal is to build a variety of strengths and to know each other well enough on the team that we know who to pick up the phone and call when a need arises and someone can lead from their particular strengths. I've often joked that I would love a personalized CV of all the people connected to downtown church and not necessarily what people do for a living, but you know, all those like hidden talents that nobody knows about, what lights people up. Like maybe this friend actually that I was telling you about who's so good at gift giving because she's so good at observing the people around her. Maybe I need to ask her to just pay attention, you know, to the people around us at downtown church, because I guarantee that she is going to identify gifts in people that I cannot see. I think about the time that I discovered Mark Gallagher, who's a church member. I discovered that he was a potter on the side. It's like one of his many hobbies. And it was helpful for me to know that about him because a few Months after I learned that, I was preaching on a scripture, studying a scripture about us being the clay in God, the potter's hands. And I was able to call him and be able to put my hands on a potter's wheel and ask him my million questions about what that is like. Or Dr. Jan Eberth, our resident epidemiologist. She does not know, by the way, that I gave her that title, but she is our resident epidemiologist. She had no clue, y'all, how many times I and our leadership team were going to give her calls this past year, pulling on her expertise in public health and her, her network and also her understanding, her strength of belonging to and knowing our particular spiritual community. Or Tim Gatson, who's on staff at church as our space connoisseur, you might see him on Sundays on the back lawn. He is the person I call when I notice something at our church building isn't working. 
Y'all, we have established and learned. I don't need to touch it. I can't go near it. I might make it worse. But I can call Tim and he can fix it or he can find someone who will. And side note, he also has a unique genius of matching Air Jordans to outfits. So you know I, I call him up often. We are stronger and happier when we know our strengths and when we share them with others. In fact, our spirits come alive when we do what is natural to us and when we give them in such a way that we can see how it benefits the whole community. And we are stronger in our faith when we live into the grace, the grace that comes from God, knowing that we don't have to be good at everything. We just have to have some numbers in our phone of people to call when we come up against something where we need help. We are stronger as a community when we reach out and we leverage the unique zones of genius all around us. We're stronger and y'all, we are happier too. This theme in scripture of us being the body of Christ, it is prevalent throughout scripture. And in Colossians in particular, it talks about how Jesus is the head of the body. And this is important because in our culture, we have this tendency to make a hierarchy of strengths. Even as we took the strengths finder test this weekend, we were comparing strengths with one another and trying to make value judgments on our own strengths. And that's not the point. All of the strengths are valuable. They are equal in the joy that they bring before God. But Christ is the head. Christ is the leader, which means it means that sometimes there will be things that we cannot find strength in one another. There will be issues in our personal lives and in our organization and in the world where no human gift, no matter how strong, can fill the need that we have. And it is then that we must turn to God for strength. It is then that we turn to God in prayer for the answer. It's then that we turn to God knowing that as incredible as a body that God has constructed for us here, we always, always need Jesus to lead us. Thanks be to God. Amen.
What's up, Don? Hey, Lucas. What you up to today? <laughs> Recording this podcast wow. with you. Me too. That's so crazy. <laughs> That's so crazy. Um, beautiful word. Beautiful sermon. Um, it's good to hear a word from Romans. We haven't preached from epistles in a while. From any of the letters, have we? Um, it's been a minute. I like them though. Yeah, epistles are letters to the early church. Yes. And Romans has a lot in it. Even just this like little verse has a lot. And, and one of the, uh, the initial phrases that stuck out to me was the leader should lead with passion. So what's your passion, Dawn? Oh, I've got so many. Tell me about them. Um, so I, I love people, but I really love talking to strangers. No. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> I really do. And I know that that's kind of a weird thing, but it um, lights me up. It makes me really excited to meet new people and um, explore new connections. And um, I think probably just people in general I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. Uh, and then also writing. I really treasure and enjoy the time each week that I get to spend in scripture and writing and preaching. Um, those are, those are definitely my top passions. What about you? First, I just want to say, yeah, you're right. You love talking to strangers. I remember when I came down for my interview, I thought like you knew the wait, the waiter at our restaurant really well, just by the way you were talking to him. And it's just like this way of, of building bonds with people really quickly, but really authentically. And I really appreciate that. Um, it's one of your many gifts. So thank you. For me, my, I've got a lot of passions too, but I think one that has just really been sitting with me is, is, is encountering people authentically, but doing so outside and kind of getting in places that are a little more uncomfortable, seeing the very mundane things that are happening all around us in new and creative ways and seeing them from new perspectives. I like having fun. I like being outside. I like I like eating food. I like eating food outside. That's probably one of like, if you combine mm -hmm. all my, like food always tastes better outside if you ask me, but I got a lot of passions and we'll figure them out over these next many years. And I'm at downtown church. Lucas, do you realize you said outdoors like three times? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> eating outdoors, having fun outdoors. I definitely have seen you come alive outdoors. Like anytime, you know, you're able to talk about doing outdoor worship or even like outdoor wilderness trips that um, there's like a spark that comes out in you. It's cool to watch. Yeah. I hope you get to do that a lot here. I think I will. Once this, we're, we're moving past COVID. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Although it's still very present and there's still so much pain. We're, we're trucking forward. And so moving on, I love this sermon. I needed to hear this sermon when I was in high school. I think you, you, you point out how kids in school don't get the chance to hear that you don't have to be perfect at everything. And I, I heard this in our confirmation class, this pressure that, that parents are putting on their kids, that kids put on themselves, that the, the world is putting on people to be perfect in every way. And I'm wondering what you think would happen if we started telling kids, but all people, 
that you don't have to be perfect at everything, that you don't have to be great at everything, what would, what would the kingdom look like then? Mm, great question. I think it would be more playful. So um, I notice that there is hesitancy in myself and in others to try something new because there's such a when you start something, when I wrote my very first sermon, I guarantee it was not great. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like when we start something new, it, there's such a potential for failure. And if we are, if we take away the expectation that we have to be great at it, I think it opens up space for people to try. So I know that the fear, like even when I write that, you know, I wish every first grader heard these words. I'm like, mm, do I want my children hearing that <laughs> that soon? You know, because and I get it. The fear is we really want our kids to eat their vegetables. We want them to learn to clean up their toys. Like we, there are there are important things that everybody needs to learn. And at the same time, I think the fear, underlying fear for me is okay. If I tell myself or someone else that I don't have to be good at anything, then it's just going to become an excuse for me to be lazy and not do things that need to happen when actually I think the opposite is true. I really do believe that if, if we let ourselves pay attention and, and early on, honestly, like I knew I loved talking to strangers as a child, like that's not some gift I discovered later. You probably loved being outside as a child. And yet as adults, I think we spend a lot of time in our spiritual lives and our work lives trying to get back to who we were as a child because that's who we that's when we were most authentically ourselves that was before all these pressures if you've got to be good at all these other things um so I, I actually think if we if we gave ourselves permission to only like say yes when it feels like yes yes with three exclamation points that's something Jeannie Sullivan on our staff encourages like if you feel that welling up in you of like yes I can't wait to lead that wilderness trip like hundred percent. That's where your energy needs to be, mm -hmm. you know? And if you, um, feel dread about one component of your life or work, you know, you might, you still got to pay the bill. And at the same time, asking someone whose strength it is to, to be organized or to set up an automated something, something like that's, that's why we're in community. That's why we need each other. Mm. Yeah. I, it, it reminds us why, why it wasn't just Jesus. It was Jesus and the 12 disciples and, and, and those disciples had more disciples. And I, and I like to think it'd be funny to like put all those disciples in like a strengths finder class. Yeah. Which one it's like, well, maybe Peter like is really bad at organizing, but I mean, it's obvious like Paul's a pretty good writer mm -hmm. and like so-and-so is good at cooking and like how they, they care for one another. And mm -hmm. We don't get to read in between we don't get to read all that, but we can kind of read in between the lines. And and your strengths finder was interesting to me because, you know, we don't have any of the same five strengths. Which is a good thing. Yeah. And um, what are yours, Lucas? My my first one's context, which which means I like history and I like looking at the way things have happened in the past and, and trying to uh, to use that information to help us plan the present and the future. I think that comes, I, growing up, I loved the Civil War. I loved history. I love unpacking um, the multiple sides of history, the many, many sides. And, and I really do think if we, if we learn history, we can, we can just better be prepared for, for the challenges that we face today. Um, then I've got arranger, communication, intellection, and input. Um, so I got a lot, but it's, we're all, we're different and, and it's, 
it's really great that we're on the team, downtown church team together because we balance each other out. I like it a lot. I, um, we had our quarterly, we do quarterly planning sessions as a staff, as a team that happened this week as well. And I, you know, the more you get to know yourself, the more you realize like, oh, I don't, I, I read history, obviously, for school, but, like, it did not bring me alive. Like, I had way more fun in future-oriented classes of, like, what are we going to get to try? What is the church going to look like in the future? Um, and those things complement each other. Like, when you have the strengths of both, you produce such a better product. Um, so I was really excited to learn about your strengths, and I was excited to see that we don't have any of the same <laughs> ones because I do think that allows us as leaders to better serve the community Um and the more we understand about each other, the more we can get out of each other's way, you mm-hmm. know? You definitely got a shoe game as one of your strengths. And I definitely do not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fun. That's fun. So you talk about we've got all these different gifts. You've got, we've got all these different strengths. But ultimately, Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head of the church. That's one of the core things that we believe as Presbyterians, is that we look to Christ. And and practically, I mean, that sounds good theologically, but practically, what does that look like for you as the head pastor of, of a church? How, do, how does that play out in your decision-making during really difficult times? Um, how do you handle that? Mm, that's a really good question, Lucas. It's a hard one. Yeah. So I, I was walking with um, someone who's just discovered our church during pandemic, um, earlier this week, just spending time outside with them. And, um, I should count the time as I say outside. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, this person was really fascinating. And in the midst of talking about what normal church looks like on the inside, because they've only experienced online and outside, um, they said something about their own spiritual faith and about a particular, I think it was Ignatius they were reading. And she used this line. She said, it brought my knee closer to the ground. And it really, it hit me because I was like, that's what uh, this year has felt like for me as Mm -hmm. a leader is that it has highlighted all of these areas where I, I don't have strengths, you know, like technology is not my strength. Um, And so I, I have both needed to you know, learn some things to get by, but also pick up the phone and call people like Drew Parker on our staff, who that is his strength. Um, my husband, Tim Hyde, that is his strength, you know, to to do that. Um, but it it has also made me humble myself and I think bring my knee closer to the ground to say, okay, God, in order to get through this, um, well, I need you. Uh, we need you. And to trust that, you know, downtown church's core identity and our vision and the ways in which I love to lead, which is more with with people in the same room, um, that we were going to be okay, even as external pressures were making our DNA shift a little bit to include more digital aspects for worship and our vision shift a little bit um, in terms of where we're putting our energy and where we're growing. You know, we're growing in places we didn't expect before that I would not have written down on any vision, <laughs> you know, and um, it's just been really clear to me that downtown church belongs to Jesus. It always has, it always will. Um, and as a leader, it's really helpful for me to remember that. Mm. Thanks be to God for that. Downtown church doesn't belong to us. Nope. Thanks be to God. If it did, Ooh, man, it belongs to God. And 
and as we move forward in the worship service I and mean, we talk about Christ at the head of the church and we now move to a time where Christ is at the head of the table, which ultimately was the first church. Um, and I know our tables might look different. We're not gathered around the table in the sanctuary, but, but we find ourselves around our own tables with our own community. Whether you're alone, know that you're not alone because we're with you. Um, Christ is with you. Christ meets us in wild ways around this table. And that is good. That's good news. So friends, let us pray. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Loving God, we come to you today in need. We come to you today with our own gifts, with our own passions, but knowing that our passions alone are not enough. God, we give you thanks that you meet us at this table, that you build community around us to support us, to nurture us, to care for us. We thank you for your son who walked the earth as one of us with his teachings, with his miracles, with his care and unconditional love. He taught us a way to live. He taught us a way to live on our knees serving you. God, we praise you joining our voices with choirs of angels and with the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hear us now as we pray the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We remember on the night uh, Jesus was betrayed by his friends. He took bread. And after he gave thanks for the bread, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken and given for you. Take, eat. Don't forget. In the same way, he took the cup, an ordinary element, and he lifted it up and he blessed it. And he said, this cup is the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink, don't forget. Scripture says, as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim Christ's saving grace until he comes again. And he is coming again. Thanks be to God. Gracious God, the eternal host of this table. Give you thanks that all are welcome at this table, that all can come and be nourished. God bless this bread, bless that wine, that juice, that it might nourish us to be your faithful disciples. In a world full of difficulties and pain and sorrows, we know that we have the power to be 
your light, to be your hope, to sit with others in darkness. We pray for all those who are struggling today, God, who are alone in hospital rooms, who are alone on the streets, who are alone in their own homes, God. Comfort them. Spur us to comfort them as well. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
and now receive this benediction. We don't have to have all the gifts. Thanks be to God. We have each other. So as you go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the interruption of that Holy Spirit, may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give. Special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Lindsay Blair Simmons, Sean Thompson, Zan DeBose, Jackson Haynes, Danielle Wilson. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. Light of Clear Blue Morning by Dolly Parton. Finding North by The Civil Wars. Gloria Patry by City Hymns. And Way in the Water by The Fist Jubilee Singers. Music covered in the license CCS number 11209. Scripture quoted from the Common English Bible. Theological Musings and Prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde. 